me vampires. You're listening to That Slayer Show. I'm Madeline. And I'm Keita. This is season two, episode three, School Hard. And we're watching this episode through the theme of expectations. Big news, we have a Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook, you can go ahead and like That Slayer Show. Also, we have an Instagram and Twitter, but everyone knows that already. <laughs> Madeline, do you have any high expectations for this one minute recap? Uh, I would say, I don't even, well, I guess, yes, I do have high expectations of us, but while we talk about the theme of expectations in this episode, we'll try to parse through is having high expectations. A good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, let's jump into this. I will bring high expectations to the table. Maybe you can be the pessimist. Great, great. I think we're gonna. <laughs> I think we're gonna do so bad. <laughs> okay, Keita, I'm going to count you in. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so Buffy is having trouble at school because the principal uh, says that she and this other girl, Shelly, are the two biggest troublemakers. Sheila, and then, <laughs> um. And so then they have to lead, they have to host the parent teacher night. And uh, Principal Snyder's like, I can't wait to meet your mom. And there's a new vamp in town. His name is Spike. And he also has this cool girlfriend named Drusilla. And um, they're like running the show. And they're, yeah. Right. And at the same time, there's this thing coming, a feast of something or other. And Giles is like, Buffy, you have to be focused on this. And then Spike uh, brings Sheila to Drusilla. And Drusilla uh, he turns Sheila into a vampire. Right. And then the school parent night teacher is happening thing. The school teacher parent night thing is happening. And then Spike shows up a day early yeah and then he and a gang of vampires like storm the school and then buffy has to um corral everyone into rooms to save them right and then she saves her mom and the teachers and everybody she fights spike and her mom helps fight him and then um in the end spike gets away and kills the anointed one and everyone survives oh my gosh okay i think the balance of high expectations and low expectations really um resulted in a good recap i think it did 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 we even Miss anything? I mean, there are little details. Of little course. details, of course. One thing that is of note is that Angel, we find out, is is Spike's sire. So Angel's one who turned Spike into a vampire. Yeah, I loved the foreshadowing for that. They really set that up. He was like, oh, he's not even as old as Angel. Wink, wink. Right. I, I definitely didn't pick up on that, though, the first time I had seen it. Oh, me neither. Me neither. Also, one thing... That's important that we find out is that Principal Snyder knows that vampires are raiding the town all the time. Yes, that was crazy. He and like an FBI person, probably. I think it was the police department there. Yeah. Blaming it on PCP gang, a gang on PCP. Do you know what PCP is? It's a drug. It's a sedative and anesthetic. I looked it up. It stand, it's like fennel something. Fet. Oh, like fennel? No, oh. like pH because it's PCP. So it's like, oh. it's um, fentyl cyclic something. It was kind of, I don't know. Um, but I, I'm guessing it was more popular in the 90s. Yeah. Well, it was cool that we got to see them finally having like a reason for why people are dying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So expectations. Where did you see it turn up in the episode? What a <laughs> struck your eye. <laughs> Throwback to episode one. Callback. <laughs> Loyal listeners will know. <laughs> okay. So one thing that I was trying to figure out 
which I alluded to or said explicitly, actually, at the beginning of the episode is, is it a good thing to have expectations going into something? When is it helpful versus when is it harmful? And one thing that I noticed that stood out to me in this episode regarding expectations was how Principal Snyder was handling the attack. He has this line where he says, this is my school. What I say goes and I say this is not happening. And then Buffy's mom, Joyce, is like, well, then I guess the danger's over, (laughs) which was great. What I saw there when I was watching through the theme of expectations was that Principal Snyder was holding on to these expectations of how he wanted reality to play out, where he was in control and he's the principal. So everyone listens to him and he gets to control what happens. And that seemed like, okay, that's a time when expectations and holding on to them is unhealthy and unproductive and actually resulted in someone dying. He tries to escape through the window and like, even though Buffy tells him not to, and he's like, I'm not listening to you, Buffy. You're a student. What do you know? (laughs) And then someone gets killed because um, Principal Snyder opens this window. And so we're seeing that holding on to expectations for Principal Snyder in that in this episode really like didn't allow him to adapt to the situation and alter how he was engaging with the world around him. And I think Buffy's really good at adapting to scenarios that come about unexpectedly. And she, I think, has really realistic expectations in a way that is healthy. So I, I, I was like kind of comparing and contrasting Buffy's response to the attack and her expectations and Principal Snyder's. Anyway, any thoughts on that? (laughs) Yeah, I love how you brought that up. I was thinking of something really similar, but with Spike. Now, Spike really, Spike has killed two Slayers. He was anticipating, he was expecting his experience and his like skill and ruthlessness, I don't know, to allow him to kill Buffy. And at the end, he's like a Slayer with friends and family. So he was expecting her to be just like all the other ones. And he also didn't really adapt, right? He shows up at... Like, he knows that she has friends already. He watched her friends help her in the alley, but he didn't adapt his expectations of her being, like, in this alone with that new information. So he still, for some reason, thought that she would be taking on everybody by herself, but she wasn't. Right. And he didn't adjust his expectations, even when Angel was like, whoa... I, I, I'm not going to fight her alone. Like, if you want to do that, go ahead. You know, Angel tells Spike that he, he watched her kill the master. So there are these hints that Spike should maybe reevaluate his expectations of Buffy. And I think these characters, both Principal Snyder and Spike, are trying to reaffirm. They're trying to reaffirm their expectations in the face of an unexpected world. And that leads to problems and they, it doesn't turn out well for them. Right. It's also like their expectations of how things are going to be somehow. It also kind of aligns with their identities, right? Like Principal Snyder has the identity of himself as someone who's in control and like tells everybody what to do and what he says goes. And Spike has this identity of himself and the expectation of himself fitting into the identity of suave, like smart not caring about rituals or tradition and also, I guess, being good at killing slayers. Right. And so for both of them, like their expectations really show how arrogant they are 
right. also right. he like announces what he's gonna do he like shows up and he's like i'm gonna kill you to her face <laughs> which is like fine because he's really confident but it's interesting and he's so confident in this that he's not even gonna like now it's now it's embarrassing right also. it's embarrassing and Sometimes confidence can be helpful, but in this case, in Spike's confidence and arrogance, really, it lulled him into a sense of security that didn't he shouldn't have been lulled into. You know, a sense of, oh, well, I've killed two slayers. I don't need to be worried or afraid or cautious. Cautious. Although he didn't just go in totally blind he did take time to watch Buffy fight beforehand at the bronze so that sort of speaks to a calculated nature yeah rather than you know just blind arrogance that's true so maybe in a way like he was right if he had done all these things with a normal slayer he probably would have been fine Mm mm-hmm we also learned a little bit about the slayage world, I think, through this episode. Just in, it's really unusual, maybe, for slayers to have people right. that they're close with. Yeah, it's a lonely life, it seems like. Yeah, we don't have much of an understanding about what previous slayers have gone through. Did Buffy make a comment at the beginning of this episode where she said, I don't remember the line exactly, but it was something like she was frustrated because she's having to host this parent teacher night and she's like other other slayers don't have to worry about balancing school with their slayer identity something to that effect and so did you notice any places where the expectations for buffy shined (laughs) sure well i mean we saw this competing expectation between giles and her mom right giles is like why i told you what what happens when you don't devote everything to your slayer life and buffy is like giles i'm this close to being expelled and her mom wants her to devote all her time to her school life of course and just really tough getting pulled in both directions because she's having to meet both sets of expectations right she has to decide what is the best course of action right she can't because now giles is almost becoming a hindrance as her watcher because she's like okay well if i get kicked out of this school then it doesn't matter if i'm the slayer because i will be somewhere else right so i would like giles to maybe um temper his expectations with just a little bit of reality (laughs) yeah it's it's tough because from giles's standpoint you know how important is parent-teacher night when there are lives at stake? I can see from his perspective why her problems feel not important. But of course, they are important. And she is a whole person with a life that she has to attend to. And we don't see Giles keeping that in mind very, very much in this episode. Right. And the life that she's tending to is also the thing that kind of saved her. Like her mom saves her, right? Her mom by going and attacking Spike. And I think if Buffy had, if Buffy were to be a slayer in the way that Giles is sometimes saying she should be, I think by now she might have a broken relationship with her mom, right? She might have had to actively break that off. So I think the fact that she balanced all that and has fed both of these relationships and lives is clearly turning out to be really helpful for her. And saving her life. So, yeah. I'm also interested in 
what is the role of people's expectations for you? And I was specifically thinking for Sheila and Buffy and like teachers and principals' expectations of them. So the principals have no expectations for these kids, except that they're going to do bad and except that they're going to continue to fail or perform poorly in school. And I think a lot of teachers probably have similar expectations. And I think about like, I wonder if what can be really helpful is people in authority, especially like in school, having high expectations for students. And I wonder if that is motivating. Absolutely. I think it's definitely motivating. I think there are studies that show that if you have high expectations of people, especially if the people who have the high expectations, if those are credible sources who you trust, then you are likely, you are more likely to try to meet those high expectations. And if someone who you trust has low expectations of you, then you're not as likely to work as hard and then achieve a lower standard. Right? So that's a great example of when expectations can be helpful. Right? Like we saw in episode four of season one, Buffy's biology teacher had expectations for her and he like communicated those really clearly. And it made Buffy want to work harder. I don't know if she did, but she wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he was beheaded and so fast by... (laughs) Who was it, Miss French? Yeah, no time. No time, yeah. Anything else for expectations for you, Keita? It was kind of nice that Buffy proved her mom's expectations wrong and the principal's expectations wrong. And then her mom, in return, also proved Buffy's expectations wrong. Both in that she like showed up and beat away Spike, but also in that she was really understanding and she, she was really proud of Buffy. Yeah, instead of being upset at Buffy for doing something really dangerous, she was like, wow, you can take care of yourself. That's awesome. Yeah. And what's so satisfying when we get to see that Buffy defies her mom's expectations is that I I feel like it was a reminder that our expectations can lead us astray sometimes. What we expect from other people is often informed by assumptions or biases that don't account for like the rich lives of each individual. And, you know, while Buffy's mom was, Joyce was so preoccupied with how Buffy was performing in school, this episode reminded Joyce that, wait, there are other qualities that Buffy has that matter so much. And this is the first time we've seen Joyce see Buffy in action. But I'm guessing that Buffy has often been good in a crisis. Right. And I think we got to see just Joyce remembering that those qualities matter. And those qualities are what give a person texture, not the grades they get, you know? Yes. Anything you liked this episode, Madeline? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's just, there's a, 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 mm, there's a quote that I will share. There were a lot of great quotable moments. Oh, yeah. In this episode. But one just gets me every time. And it comes from Willow. And she says, or okay, so the, it starts out from Buffy talking to Angel when Angel doesn't show up to the bronze. Buffy's like, come on, you've been dating for what, like 200 years? You don't know what a girl means. And she says, maybe she'll show. And then it cuts to Willow, who's sitting in the background in the library, and she goes, wow, two centuries of dating. If you only had two a year, that's still like 400 dates with 400 different. And then Buffy like looks at her really aggressively, and she goes, 
why do they call it a mace? And she pats the mace that's sitting beside her. And I just loved that line. Two centuries of, date of dating? Whoa. <laughs> anyway, so I liked that it reminded the audience how old Angel really is. And also it was funny. And I liked that she patted the mace. And also it made me wonder, why do they call it a mace? <laughs> what about you, Keita? So I am really interested and excited to see where the Spike Angel relationship will carry the plot. I liked how Xander and Angel had this moment where Xander's bent over as a possible offering for way too long. And we get to see the interaction between Angel and Spike. And despite all of that, Xander's still like, what's the sire? Like, <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> so... Spike is here to stay, clearly. Angel is here to stay anyway. So I'm excited to see where that'll go. It's a little bit of depth and maybe tension infused into the plot. Yeah. I also really loved the introduction of Spike and Drusilla. Spike is just fun to watch. Like whenever he's on the screen, I always am having an engaging time. Right. Which is, it's nice because not a lot of the I don't think we really had any super engaging villains yet. Like the master just had kind of a weird voice and just an overall odd vibe. Yeah. 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 Spike is likable, but is saying these kind of nasty things, but in such like a fun way. You're, I almost root for him in this episode. Yeah. But it's like, no, obviously I don't want him to kill Bobby, but like I love seeing him, you know? Yeah. Keita, any dislikes in this episode? There was... <laughs> I'm not like against it in general, although maybe I am. So much PDA. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you talking about the PDA between Drusilla and yes. Spike? I love it. I'm so here for it. Okay. So what did Classic. you not like about it? As usual, I'm out here being like, oh my God, like thinking about the people <laughs> in the background who are like, uh, hello. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it is so obnoxious, but it's so unashamed. So unashamed. Well, and so much relationships in public, right? Angel and Buffy are like discussing their dating life in front of five people. Wait, when? When when he comes into the library, oh, she's yeah. like, I thought you would show. And he's like, You said you weren't gonna. And she was like, Don't you know what that means? And everyone's like, uh, which probably led to Willow <laughs> making the comment about Angel's four hundred dates. Right. Um, Madeline. Anything um, that you didn't like? There was a comment that Spike threw at Angel when he finds out that Angel is trying to trick Spike and he's feeling really betrayed. And he was like, you Uncle Tom. He calls Angel an Uncle Tom. He does. And for listeners who don't know, so it's a reference to Harriet Beecher Stowe's novel from 1852 uncle tom's cabin and, and it's used in a derogatory manner often to refer to black people who are really subservient to whites and like really wanting whites approval um and also view themselves as second class citizens it's used by other black people to talk about black people who they feel like are betraying their race so that's that's the parallel that spike was drawing from but it felt weird <laughs> coming out of you know this white guy's from mouth. europe 
yeah, yeah from Europe. I'm like, wait, what? I know. I was like, you have so many traitors. Yeah, like there are so many references. Why are you calling him an Uncle Tom? You know, that comment coming right after they just kill a black man, again, one of the only black people to be on screen. Also, just the complete lack of black characters who have any lines or are named. I'm trying, you know, finding space to appreciate the show and also hold it accountable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have, there's one more small moment. Madeline, was there anything else that you didn't like? Yeah, just this. Yes, it's just a small moment. Um, and it bothers me every time I watch this this episode. And it's at the end of Parent Teacher Night, Snyder turns off all of the lights <laughs> while there are lots of parents just in the room. And it's like there's no announcement. He's not like, OK, the night's done. He just turns off the lights on everyone and nobody says anything. <laughs> no one's like, that's weird. It's totally dark in here now. <laughs> So that always bothers me. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to our attention. I also was like, huh, interesting choice. God, the show is so unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, now it's time for us to get into our backstory for a particular character. So this episode, we are going to talk about Sheila, specifically why Sheila stabbed someone with pruning shears. Kita kick us off. So Sheila and her mother have a really beautiful relationship. They enjoy gardening together at home and they have a really beautiful garden. <laughs> um, and so on their... <laughs> And so on the first day of horticulture classes, Sheila is super stoked. She brought her pruning shears from home because, like, she's a good gardener, right? And she's just smoking a little pot out behind the school in preparation for horticulture class. Who doesn't want to be high and garden? Of course, she loses track of time a little bit. And she's like, shit, I got to get to class. And because she's stoned, you know, judgment isn't always the best. She's running to class with the shears in her hand. And um, the teacher sort of just stepped out from uh, a corner right in front of her and she accidentally like ran into them and uh, and kind of stabbed them with her pruning shears. Obviously, everyone's very upset. And now Sheila, unfortunately, already has kind of a, a bad reputation among teachers of being a student who likes to cause trouble and everything. And so with this new situation, she just decided to go ahead with what everyone already thought of her and claim this as an intentional action. Oh, wow. So she was just leaning into it like this she accident into happened. It. And then she's yep. just like, OK, I'm embracing it. People already think this is me. And she didn't, right. you know, what's she going to say? I was stoned and running to class with scissors. <laughs> Burning cheers. <laughs> Pruning shears. <laughs> <laughs> so, Madeline, what uh, what do you have? Okay, so we've seen a history of the FBI recruiting promising adolescents into an assassination community of adolescents. <laughs> Okay. And, you know, we saw that season one, episode 11, when they recruited the invisible girl. And I think that the FBI recruited Sheila. Um, she, so, she showed promise. She's always been a stereotypically troubled child. She was smoking by the time she was in fifth grade, according to Willow. And her first target as an assassin was Jimmy, the president of the Sunnydale Gardening Club. 
And she made it look like it was an accident. So the inverse of what you said. Uh-huh. But truly, it was very intentional and calculated. And this group of assassins, of, of teenage assassins in Sunnydale has a name. Um, they're the CADs. So it's like an Easter egg for the people who know Sheila's backstory, like me. <laughs> when she's like, oh, I love a good CAD later on in the episode. So they're called the CADs because... It's a reference to golf, like caddies, like they help. They're like helping the FBI carry out their missions. Um, Not that you asked, but Jimmy was assassinated because his father um, is a spy and they were trying to leverage something against his father. Anyway. Wow. That is a horrific crime. (laughs) Okay, y'all. Committed by the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. But there's precedence. You know, we saw in season one, episode 11, Similar thing happened. Okay, so for <laughs> although we didn't see the FBI kill people's children to blackmail them, <laughs> tomato, tomato. So, listeners, you can vote on which backstory you think is best this Wednesday on Instagram. We'll have a post up on our story and that will allow you to vote. for listening to this week's episode of that slayer show if you enjoyed this episode or if you didn't enjoy it please review the podcast but especially if you did enjoy it and give us five stars either way follow us on instagram at that slayer show and like our facebook page that slayer show thank you to holly colvin for creating our cover art and this podcast was inspired by harry potter and the sacred text Next week, we will watch season two, episode four, Ink and Mummy Girl, through the theme of sacrifice. Juicy! Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.